and welcome back to an episode of the macabre show i'm your host katie and i'm john in this episode we um john is spearheading and we are going to talk about magic meets medicine yeah yeah talking about all the old medical practices and how you they brought in a lot of superstition and like magic and things like that it's cool which is cool little fascinating tidbit yeah some of the some of the things that we used to do back in ancient times can be a bit disturbing on that note, I do want to put in a content warning that some of the things we'll be talking about today can be a little icky. That can include um, all manner of different um, bodily fluids, bodily parts, different things like that, uh, all kinds of gore, violence, all the good stuff. If it's not gory, violent, or icky, as John put it, then we wouldn't be talking about it. Yep, yep. and it's all in good fun. So, um, so yeah, so in... This episode, uh, Medicine Meets Magic, Magic Meets Medicine, we will start off as far back as I could find like a good amount of reports for and start with Babylonian magic. This is going to be like 2100 to like 1500 BCE. So we're talking like 4,000 years ago, like three and a half to like 4,000 years ago. So this is way far back. This is very ancient times. Yeah, like, they're mostly guessing. Like, when it comes to, like, medicine and things like that, this is mostly guesswork right now. So, um, my, my like, special focus, my, my love when it comes to, like, history is going to be always the Near East. All those biblical bad guys, whether they're, like, the Assyrians or Babylonians, uh, things like that in the Near East, the, the Middle East, or I guess what's more accurately called Southwest Asia, that whole area, that's my focus. So. Yeah. John's an archaeologist, and I focus in technology, so that's how this podcast came to be. Yep. Yep. So, so when we're talking about ancient Babylon, okay, there are two, like, real medical, like, I guess you could call them professionals. We have the Azu, the Azu, that is the actual medical doctor, and then you have the Ashipu, who is the, like, ritualist, the diviner, the exorcist, okay? So the Azu, this is not a professional. Like, unlike nowadays, like, these guys are not given, like, extensive background. Like, like there's no, like, university for them, for the most part. As time goes on, they become more and more kind of like well versed in their field. Like they, um, they have more like, um, uh, like training and things like that. They eventually do get like a temple that's like dedicated to their kind of medical practices, but this takes a long time. So initially, these guys are just hand like four thousand year old first aid kits, and they're like figure it out pretty much yeah a lot of these times these are just like your uncle or like your cousin who like went out to war for a while figured out how to stitch themselves up and they were fine so they started stitching up other people for a little bit of pocket cash um herodotus actually says that uh there were no medical professionals at the time that he went there um which is going to be like five to six hundred like bce um in like classical greece time so there's probably that's that's probably not the case that they have like no medical professionals at all he describes people go out in the street when they're sick and everyone would come together and try to make like guesses about like what's wrong with them that's probably not true um he had a lot of uh biases like pro-greece biases so like he's really not not a not always the greatest source for these kinds of things so instead we're going to be talking about it from their perspective the babylonian perspective so um there's a little bit of a debate about whether or not the azu and the ashipu that is the doctor and the like shaman i guess you could say those names are super goofy i know i know don't they have great names and um there's kind of an uh a debate about what the relationship between relationship with each other is 
So some people will say that there is a competition between like superstition with the ritualist, the Ashipu, and like medical like rationality. And that's the Azu, the doctor. Um, there's a little bit of disagreement here because if you were wealthy enough, you would ideally go see both of them. Because their philosophy was that you're like, if you have like a laceration or like you have like a cold or something like that, and you're like coughing, things like that, the symptoms, these are medical. But the actual cause is always demonic. And so the only way to like permanently get rid of a problem is to be exercised to have an exorcist come in. So some of their like rituals can seem a bit bizarre to us these days. Um, one of my favorite ones was one where they say, uh, this is in quotes, may they bear shovels of silver and spades of gold. May they open up the waterways. And it would say this over and over again to summon like tiny little like ladles to pull out whatever's blocking up the intestines. So, if, so yeah, if you have, um, what do you call it? Uh, where you can't. When you're constipated? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this would be their ritual for like constipation. Before fiber one bars exist. Right, yeah. They had tiny little dudes that would shovel out, shovel out your poop. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's in my head. It's a. It's a lot more cute than it sounds. Like I imagine these tiny little ladles, like clearing it out and things like that. These like little helpful spirits or whatever. And so that that kind of gives you the idea of like how these kinds of things work. So, you know, you have beneficial spirits and you have demonic spirits. Most of these things are like kind of neutral. But if you piss them off, they'll ruin your life. And that's how you get sick. So there's one ritual, or there's one incantation, I guess you could say, that, that goes, I don't know if I'm saying this right, Shu Nam Erim, something like that. You'd say Shu Nam Erim over and over again. And um, this is to identify the spirit that is afflicting you. In this instance, it's called hand of a broken oath that would be potentially one that would block up your intestines and give you constipation for which you'd have to have little gold and silver shovels to clean out so no matter what happens no matter what you had it was always the cause was always just you made some demon mad pretty much yeah you got demons you got cold you got demons pretty much yeah yeah so like if you broke an oath if you like lied to someone or like betrayed them then there's going to be a ghost that's pissed off at you. And they're going to give you constipation. Until you go and you see your local Ashipu. The Ashipu, by the way, is trained. Like, modern days, we don't even think an exorcist is really... like, Except for like some Catholics don't even really think about exorcists as being like a job. Well, to them, being a medical professional wasn't like a real job. Like, that was just something you kind of did. That's so backwards. I know. And then, if you're, like, a ritualist, you would be studying for years and years and years. And you'd be reading these, like, treatises that go back, like, even further than we have now. Like, we know that there are scribes recording this information down. And that's what we have today. So, especially when it comes to the Ashipu, like, a lot of their, like, strategies and whatnot, they're much older than we have, like, documentation for well i mean you have to also think like science wasn't really a thing four thousand years ago no no so they're just like it's just it's always demons or ghosts or something yeah yeah like a weird um paranormal phenomenon is like always their go-to explanation yeah yeah and i mean if it works it works um there were some things that they believed that ended up being true because uh, like Katie says, they didn't really have like a scientific like method or anything like that, but they did try and fail until they learned some things. So they would put their their medicines because they did have some medicines, but they like cure the symptoms and not the disease. But they'd put them on copper plates, and it actually turns out that copper 
is a anti-microbial uh, material. And that if you put things on it, like, I think it's 97% of bacteria will, like, die over... Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, they've done various experiments on that. And, yeah, um, there are a few other materials that are antimicrobial as well. Um, I think bronze itself is, but uh, copper, which um, is one of the components of bronze, is an antimicrobial thing. And they would always recommend that you put whatever needed to be cleaned on that. Um, they even had bronze lancets, which are tiny little knives like you'd have on, like, scalpels, mm -hmm. for eye surgery. So, yeah, so they, yeah, I mean, it's nasty, but also it's pretty, like, amazing that they could take out cataracts from your eyes, like, yeah, I mean, eyes just kind of gross me out in general, yeah, 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 like, I don't, I don't know, they, I don't like them, yeah, I don't like, um, I forget what this video is called, but it's like a silent film of, like, the girl's eye getting cut. Oh, yeah, the Salvador Dali one? Yeah. Yeah. So, that's what I always think of when, like, I think of eyes and stuff, and that I can't watch that. It just grosses me out. It's not, like, the Andalusian, or it's, like, all Andalusian dog or something like that? I don't, I don't remember what it's called. Yeah. I just know that part specifically. And that's literally just, like, like a few, like, 20 seconds at the beginning of the film. I know. Like, I've, I've and, watched... And, like, the rest of the film has nothing else to do with no, that. Yeah. It's just that weird tidbit at the beginning. Yeah. I don't like it at all. It makes me so uncomfortable to, like, watch. Yeah. And, like, Stephen King would put in, like, various, like, eye injuries and things. Because that's, like, it messes with people. Eyes gross people out. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, surprisingly, they were, like, you would actually, like... They actually had people that you could pay to, like, do that kind of surgery. Like That's wild that, like, back then. Because, like, I don't know, I think of, like, a cataract surgery as a more advanced... Yeah. Like, modern technology. Yeah. I, I think it's very easy to underestimate, underestimate them. Because, yes, they did think that demons were the, the, the cause for diseases. They were surprisingly able to, to cure different things. And... They actually had a lot of different drugs. Um, they also knew that, like, cauterization would be good for keeping a wound from getting infected um, and for bleeding out and things like that. They could su make, create sutures and shoot, suture together ligatures uh, for uh, ruptured vessels. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they actually had all kinds of different things. Um, so they were pretty advanced for being... Yeah, surprisingly. Like a civilization for 4,000 years ago. Right, yeah. Um, and so, like, they didn't have any hospitals. But eventually they did have temples. And these temples would sometimes be dedicated to this goddess called Gula. And, I mean, I think it's something like Gula, 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 something like that. And um, she was actually originally a goddess named Baba. And she was uh, a... The Baba dude. Yeah. <laughs> She's actually the Babadook. Just the the ancient Babylonian Babadook. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she was actually a goddess of, like, dogs. And over time, she became, like, the goddess of medicine. Yeah. The Dogs and medicine are together. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. It's something to do with, like, um, like, they thought that, like, dog saliva had, like, medicinal properties. Yeah, I mean, that's a thing nowadays where people say dogs' mouths are clearer than humans. Yeah. I guess they would look at, like, dogs, like, licking their wounds, and they would heal faster than humans do. I guess. I still wouldn't want, like, a dog to lick my open wound. No. That'd be gross. Yeah, I've I've known people. I don't want to name any names, but I do know people who, like, let dogs lick out their cuts. It's gross. Yeah, it was kind of gross. Yeah. But yeah. it makes sense. Dogs are... Because dogs make people feel better. I mean, yeah. well, I'm sad. Just <laughs> yeah, hang out with true. a dog. Like, yeah. And, like, that's also true. Like, they didn't have, like, therapy, really. So, like, a lot of these things, like, a lot of these, like, rituals and stuff like that, like, they're therapeutic. And, like, dogs are, like, absolutely, like, excellent for therapy. Therapeutic. I mean, that's true. That's a proven thing that, like, having a pet helps... With, like, your depression and anxiety and stuff. Yeah. Um, and actually, the Azu are mentioned in the Code of Hammurabi, um, saying that if you bring in an Azu, a doctor, to come and 
help you with a wound or something, and they make it worse. If you are royalty, an aristocrat, because the code breaks it down for every social class, you are legally allowed to beat them. You cut off my arm. I'm going to have to throw hands now. I have to fight you. I'm going to beat you with it. <laughs> I'm going to beat you with my severed arm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like, they have the whole, like, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth thing. And apparently that doctors fall under that. Yeah. So, so we know that the profession existed. But it just wasn't, like, as formal as we have it today. Yeah, well, no, not apparently, because you can't, like, just go and, like, throw hands with your doctor now. Unfortunately. That's what, like, malpractice lawsuits are for, which is just the the legal version of (laughs) throwing hands with your doctor. Yeah. Yeah, and they actually, like, had, like, like I said, like, they have drugs, but they had, like, like, drugs. Like, um, in these temples for Gullah, there um, is some evidence that they actually kept... Uh, opium, uh, hemp, or like marijuana, and hemlock in a temple garden. And they didn't find this opium like anywhere else. So there's um, speculation that they're using it for like painkillers, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, you know, I guess I don't know if they use marijuana to like chill people out or something. Maybe to yeah. like help reduce stress. Yeah. I guess. I guess. What is hemlock? Hemlock is like a poison. Okay. So they would mix together opium and hemlock if they wanted to euthanize you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why you'd have to mix it if it's just a poison. Like, couldn't you just... Yeah. Just, I guess, to make them pass a little bit easier. Probably. I know. I'd assume so. The sweet sleep of death. Yeah. Isn't that what we all wish for? Right. (laughs) I'll take some opium and hemlock, please. (laughs) Yeah, and they had some. They did have some bizarre techniques. Um, the most bizarre one I I found from my research was the skull cure, the Babylonian skull cure, which is and it seems a bit extreme to me, but if you had like a toothache from grinding your teeth at night, you would you would find an ashipu, right? So we already know how this is gonna go. They would get a human skull. And they would bless it. They would sanctify the skull. And you would put it by your bedside. And every time you'd wake up from grinding your teeth or from tooth pain, you would grab the skull and lick the top of lick the skull. Just to get all them, them good ghostly juices, I guess. I have some questions. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, where did they find the skull? I don't know. Do they have just, like, a bunch of skulls on hand? I like. Mean- I feel like ancient Babylon, like, they just cut people heads off. Like, they were just... But, I mean, like, where did they get it? Like, whose skull is it? Are, are they consenting? I mean, well, probably not, but, <laughs> yeah. like... I mean, they are dead. Just, do they have abundance of skulls on hand? Or was it just, like, was it a fresh skull? It wouldn't be fresh, though, because it would be, like, a skull, like... They probably clean it okay. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, like... You just deflesh that skull. Did they, like, decapitate someone, then, like... You know, mm. take off all their flesh and organs and stuff like that. And I mean, when you're royalty, you're just like, yeah, I have a toothache, so can we just find a slave and just... I guess, but, like, those are my questions. And, yeah. like, who who cut off this person's head? <laughs> yeah. Like... Yeah, where do they find these skulls? I don't know. Exactly. That's I, what I mean. Was this common? Like, like is this for all your dental problems? Yeah, these are very... There's a lot of questions here that need to be answered. Babylon, please explain. You can email us. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, like, that's... Oh, and this you would lick the skull up to seven times a night. That's too much, man. I know. That's gross. I know. That was the most extreme one that I found. Um, so we gave you one spell, one Babylonian skull cure, and... I can't imagine it's sanitary. I can't imagine that it's, like, clean properly or anything. I mean, apparently the copper is antimicrobial. What does the skull... What does skulls taste like? Oh, Lord. I don't know. Oh, no. Like, dried skull? Oh, I I don't know. Hopefully they put something sweet on it. Would it be salty? I I imagine bones taste salty. Make it... Get some honeyed skull. Ooh. Delicious. We need a cooking show. Candy skulls. 
I mean, if it's like actual candy, just right. skull shape, that's different. <laughs> yeah. but. Maybe that's what it actually is. Maybe it's not actually like a skull, but like modern scholars are like trying to like decipher it and they're like, oh my God, are they just licking a skull? No. But in actuality, it's like a candied skull, like some Dia de los Muertos stuff. Maybe. I don't know. Moving on though. Yeah. So, yeah. So ancient Babylon, you got, you got something going for you. But uh, you also got some weird, weird solutions to, I would say, some pretty minor problems. Cataract surgery? That is, yeah, that's, that's pretty impressive. Cool. Yeah. Licking skulls? That's not cool. Yeah. That's not impressive. Yeah. It's gross and unsanitary. Yeah. So, yeah, let's move on to everybody's favorite ancient uh, society, the ancient Egyptians. I wouldn't say everyone's favorite. It's not my favorite. I don't know. Um, I don't, wouldn't have say I have a favorite ancient society. Oh, I do. Absolutely. Well, the Assyrians. That's because you're just a big, yeah. like, anthropology nerd. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people grow up and they have that, like, Egyptian phase. I guess. Oh, with all the, like, ology books when yeah. you're kids, the pop-up books? Yeah, yeah. I had a dragon one. Nice. I still have it. Nice. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people get into, like, mummies and, like, the ancient, like, temples and, like, tombs and stuff like that. Nope. Mine was dragons. Nice. Yeah. I liked Egypt, like, and, like, mummies and all that kind of stuff. Um, But, like, the biggest thing, it's kind of weird, but um, there was a museum by my house called The Witty. I was in San Antonio. And they had a, a mummy arm on display. And... Yeah, there were two like little nose holes on it, and there were nose holes on arm on on the on the glass case. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah and you'd get up close and you'd like smell it. Oh. Yeah, it smelled sweet. Weird. Yeah, like incense and like, I don't know. Well, I imagine they don't want like nasty, yeah. dead flesh smell. Like, it, yeah, it didn't smell like decomposing. It smelled like, like, in my like child mind it just smelled like magic to me okay. yeah yeah I, I actually liked the smell a lot weird i know what scent are you wearing oh it's a uh, mummy it's <laughs> right. it's decaying flesh smell pharaoh musk yeah. delicious it's gross the yeah. only um like perspective i have on mummies in like egypt are just the mummy movies and like <laughs> Night of the Night at the Museum. Right, yeah. When Rami Malek was a pharaoh, that's all I know. Yeah, yeah. That's the only perspective I have about mummies in Egypt. It's pretty much the same. All right. Yeah, that's pretty much how it is. And then, like, I think there's like some Scooby Doo episodes where there was a mummy. <laughs> I don't know, but that's all. That's all I know. And Ramses from Courage the Cowardly Dog. Oh Return yeah. The sled. Of course, I forgot about that. Yeah. This is one of my favorite shows. But yeah, my few perspectives were just movies and cartoons yeah. I watched as a child. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Egypt is not my like focus area. So that's, I don't know that I know that much more than you do, to be honest. But for the extent of this research, I know that. But outside of like general Egypt knowledge, my focus is a little bit further north in the Near East. So you can't tell me who built the pyramids? Was Slaves. it aliens? It was slaves. It was probably. aliens. Actually, they—I do know that one. Actually, they—they had a few different like methods, potentially like hydraulic methods, like putting it into like a river and like the Nile and like bringing it down, stuff like that. Um, but actually, while they did have slaves, a lot of them, they also had like architectural schools, basically. Like you—you you could like train to become like an expert engineer. So they actually did have like engineering specialists. So like people think that like. It's kind of racist, I think, for people to think that, like, the pyramids were, like, built by aliens and stuff like that. But, like... I mean, I guess, but, like, that's... <laughs> Nobody ever says about the Parthenon. Like, let's be real. They're, those are giant structures. Yeah. You have to carry those big, heavy blocks. Like, yeah. I don't think they had, like, ladders and stuff. They didn't they have, like... They might have had cr cranes. They might have I had cranes. How would they have crane lifts? Like, they don't have electricity. I mean... I don't know the actual mechanics of it, but... Exactly. They so, may have had cranes. It definitely weren't aliens. Nobody ever says it about, like, the marble of, like, Greece and, like, Rome and things like that. Because, you know, white people can build shit, but Egyptians, absolutely not. I guess. Yeah. 
They say the same things about like like Aztecs and like Mayans and stuff. That's true. Yeah. I don't know. No, it's all bullshit. It's all I'm just gonna say it's all aliens regardless. <laughs> okay. I feel like aliens behind the scenes anyway. It was reptilians. Then and now. The Sneeple. The, the Sneeple. The Sneeple. Oh, that's a new one. Yeah, that was from a Steven Universe episode. Nice. Um, so let's actually talk about like some of their medicine. So um, I'm basing most of this on the Ebers Papyrus. Papyrus. Yeah. Your favorite font. I hate that font. <laughs> Papyrus is the worst font as a, someone who was a graphic designer at one point. Yeah, nowhere near as how good as could, Comic Sans. How dare they write in Papyrus? How dare you bring up Comic Sans? <laughs> but yeah, so we have this like 65 foot long Papyrus scroll, right? And there's all these different chapters and all these different like treatises. And I honestly kind of recommend reading it because the scroll is weird. Like, like it's talking to you on how to become like a medical professional at this time. And it blends between their, like, magic and their medicine. So, they actually have, like, over 700 spells. And, like, the spells are kind of, like, blur the lines, like I said. Like, how much of it is, like, treating it. And how much of it is just, like, I guess we could say, like, placebo. Some, like, cultural benefit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that doesn't necessarily mean it didn't work. It just worked on their minds. Like those, um... Alex Jones brain supplements. Yeah, I don't no, know if that even works in your mind. I think that might actually like damage your mind. Yeah, that's true. We should we should take we should bottle some of these methods and we should sell them just like Alex Jones. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> our book of spells, our our supplements. Um. Oh, one thing that's kind of weird about um, ancient Egypt is that they thought the brain was not important. Yeah. Ancient Egypt. You got it all backwards. Yeah. First you write your spells in papyrus. The worst font. Now you think that the brain isn't important. Yeah, they they thought it was like some like cloudy material or something like that. They would pull it out of your nose when they embalmed you. Um, Like mucus? Like your boogers? Is that what they were talking about? Yeah, pretty much. Kind of. Yeah, it was kind of the same general thing. Just pick, pick your nose. Yeah. Pick all your boogies out. That's yeah, gross. Pretty much. And then they take that all out and just throw it on the ground. And then they take all the important organs, you know, like the liver and the heart, and they put those in canoptic jars. Yeah. Because you need those in the afterlife. That squishy, pink, gross, slimy thing that's in your head, that's not important. Right. Who needs it? I feel, I imagine that they pull it out and then they'd be like, and like, just throw it. Like, they'd be disgusted by holding it and they'd, like, just kind of flop it on the ground. But then the heart, that's the stuff. Yeah. yeah. And then they get taken out so gracefully and, like, carefully and they're like, <laughs> Like, there's, like, a light shining around it and there's, like, a, like, chorus in the background. <laughs> yeah. They, they had some weird thoughts about hearts. They, they actually thought that all fluids went through the heart. So that means your sweat, your blood, obviously, but your tears went came from your heart, your urine. Nope. And, I don't. Last time I checked, I don't pee out my heart. Yeah, and very important to the ancient Egyptians and many of the Near Eastern, your semen also comes out of your heart. Gross. Yeah, pretty nasty. Um, but they have a whole chapter on the Book of Hearts, and this goes into like mental disorders, and different mental illnesses. And actually, um, they were kind of progressive, I guess you could say. In, in this yeah, time. I mean, good for them for like yeah. they acknowl- taking the t- for yeah for acknowledging mental disorders. Yeah, they um, depression was the big one. Um, they actually acknowledged that, especially for like aristocrats. They would, yeah, of course, it's aristocrats first, but um, well, yeah, I mean, they're the ones that matter, right? Yeah, who else <laughs> matters? Come on, and um, so they actually like knew that like depression existed, and they had different remedies for depression um but yeah the, the point is that they actually did recognize the mental illnesses existed i mean that's more advanced than some people today who are just like what depression it's all in your head it's not yeah why don't you just real. just be happy just thanks just, i'm cured yeah pull yourself up by your bootstraps you'll be fine wow that's exactly the advice i needed not not at all like hey you should go talk to someone or something right yeah 
Yeah, so here's here's your Egyptian spell for today. Uh, this is if you have a common cold. I'm ready. Okay, I'll do my best to read it as dramatically as possible. <clears throat> Flow out, fetid nose. Flow out, son of fetid nose. I, I don't know that I can I can really like yell it like these ancient priests are doing it, but flow out, you who break bones, destroy the skull and make ill the seven holes of the head. I'd say that's pretty dramatic. It wasn't necessarily yelling because you you can clip the mic, right. but <laughs> yeah, get you, give you all all that feedback. Um, but yeah, yeah, you just scream at this person, whoever has the cold. You just scream uh, at the spirits in their nose flow out over and over and over again which i guess is the mucus coming out pretty nasty gross it's ectoplasm actually i mean i'm sure they might have assumed that i don't know yeah i don't i don't know how their like stance on like ectoplasm all it is but yeah you just yell you just yell spells at people until eventually they're not sick anymore well next time um i have like I'm sick or I have some sort of cold or sinus infection. I'm just going to be like, can you just yell at me? Yeah. I got the spell for you. <laughs> and after that, we're going to touch base in China for a second and then um, talk a little bit about some medical cannibalism. My favorite. Yeah. So actually, this has some cannibalistic elements to it. So, there's a lot of different ancient societies that we could talk about. Just forewarning, we can only talk about so many of them. And these are the ones that caught our interest immediately. So, in ancient China, you would have what is called the Mellified Man. And this is... What is that? What is that? Well, I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) A Mellified Man is an older person who... It's close to death, an older man, close to death, who they would feed honey. I don't know if this is like a criminal or like what. Like at first it sounds nice, but but hold up. They'd feed you honey until you that's all you're eating, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, until you are defecating honey. That's the idea. Until your entire insides are filled with it. And then when you die, they will encase you in honey. So your entire every part of you is covered in honey and then they'll put you in the ground for a hundred years and then the emperor will break come break bring you back up break you into little pieces and eat you like candy delicious that's a gross this is a very intricate method i know i know this is a very like long this is a lot of fermentation it is like a hundred years yeah like but you also have to imagine that's like human life you gotta make sure it's nice and nice and crisp, right. nice and like well coated and flavorful. You got sealing all those juices. Ugh, tasty. So yeah, supposedly this. If any of you have any broken bones or like weak bones in your older age, uh, just break off a piece <laughs> of some man candy and uh, eat some mellified man, some honeyed man. And that that's great. That works great for weakened or broken bones. And yeah, this. What a way to die. Yeah. What a way to be buried. I know. Like that is pretty tragic, to be honest. You're buried, and then a hundred years later, you're dug back up. Are they placed in like some sort of coffin, or I'd assume so. You have to be in some sort of special box. Well, they encase you in honey, like completely encase you in it. Yeah, but like you have to be in some sort of other container because, yeah. like, when you dig it up, you're just gonna get dirt on your honey. <laughs> like, I'm that's sure, gross. Yeah, I'm sure they're in some kind of tomb, but yeah, they. So then, let this like emperor when he gets to his old age, you think they're gonna mellify him? Absolutely not. He eats the candied man until his bones get back together. Yeah, but then longer. when he gets super old, then like, then the cycle begins. Is it all emperors? Like, who are the people that they're encasing? I'll be completely honest with you. I don't know who they're encasing. Um, and that's actually one of my questions. I'm not sure who is being encased for this. I'd imagine it'd have to be like... Some royalty? Yeah, royalty or like some nah. smart old man, some wise old shaman man. I don't know. I, that's kind of, I imagine like the wise bit maybe, but I don't know if this is an honor. I I don't know. I don't think it's disrespectful either, but I don't think it's an honor. Like like not the highest honor. I yeah. Think. yeah. But I feel like it's like I don't want 
a criminal candy. <laughs> I don't want criminal man flavored candy. Right. I want good man flavored candy. This tastes like sin. Yeah. yeah. Baby, I don't know. Right, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so on that note of eating people, we're gonna move on into the uh the part of the world that ate the most people. I don't know if there's an actual metric for that. If if I don't know if that's statistically true, but it really seems true. Uh, I don't know. Um, didn't the Aztecs eat oh, human they hearts? Eat, they did eat people sometimes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I don't know that we can necessarily compare numbers on this, but a place that's fairly obsessed with this uh, medical cannibalism, this like vampiric stuff. Yeah. So based on your research, the people that perform the most cannibalism, at least the most that we have records for, medieval and late Europe. I think everyone might have been expecting that. Um, so we actually still do medical cannibalism to this day to some degree. Um, and I'll talk a little bit more about that later. But um, the beginning of this is just as horrific as it sounds. So there's this guy, uh, Paracelsus, or Paracelsus, Paracelsus, I think, who is the father of toxicology. So he did actually benefit society or benefit medicine. But he was also very interested in hermetics, which is a type of ceremonial magic, Neoplatonism, Neoplatonics, the Pythagorean cults, and um, he's later studied by the Rosicrucians and like various other magical orders later on. He develops the Alphabet of the Magi, which is a um, angelic uh, number system for writing our, our angelic script for capturing the names of angels and putting them on talismans for curing various diseases. So he's benefiting everybody, really. So, wait, so he has a special alphabet for curing diseases? Yeah, I mean... Is that what that is? Yeah, yeah. Um, you, like, for binding angels into talismans. So I guess it's like... It's basically like Enochian, I guess. Enochian or Enochian, which is like the angelic language, like the first language. But, like, I guess he just did it somewhere differently. But yeah, he developed the the alphabet of the Magi. But he was also obsessed with something called mumia. Remember how early I was talking about how how great the mummy that I smelled was? Yeah. Well, yeah, Europe went crazy for this. Um, started at least in part by this guy. It's called mumia. Um, this is when you eat um, crushed mummy parts into different like drinks and foods. Um, with the concept that like cures like. So if you have a headache, maybe you'll eat some crushed mummy skull and a little tonic with alcohol or something like that. Um, or yeah, mummy belly, I guess. I if you have a tummy I ache. I don't like this. Yeah. I don't like any of it. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Just because it smells nice, like doesn't mean it tastes. And they good. didn't always smell nice. Like I've smelled yeah. mummy since then that smell terrible. Just sometimes. How I many guess, mummies have you have you mummies? encountered? Uh, I have encountered maybe four or five. Um, only so like I've been to the Met and like I saw the mummies there, but I've also been behind the scenes at some museums and seen like, uh, like especially like mummified animals like monkeys and dogs and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, those don't smell wonderful. It's kind of a similar smell, but with more like death to it. For a split second, I forgot. You were an archaeologist. I'm like, how how do you just see mummies in your regular day? Yeah, yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, I just go to tombs and, like, break them open. I'm just like, hmm, they look tasty. Which, I mean, that's what the Europeans did, I guess. Yeah, the idea is that um, you might become closer to achieving immortality um, by doing this whole like, here's like. If you have, like, your body's starting to decay or fall apart, just eat some mummy for it. And you'll live longer. Um some specific recipes include eating dried mummy heart for epilepsy for some reason that doesn't i that doesn't <laughs> those two things one of these things is not like the other yeah like, i don't think they understood epilepsy none of those things are like anything <laughs> yeah like that doesn't go together at all let alone like the intestines and like digestion and like all this yeah yeah they they're making this up yeah well i mean granted like I don't think neurology was really a thing. No, no. And, like, a lot of that is that, like, a lot of medical advancements hadn't happened yet. So they're just kind of doing their best. Yeah. They thought that eating the skin of a mummy could help stop bleeding or even re- restore flesh. 
because if you consume the right types of cellular material, I guess. But it's all dead. I know. <laughs> There's I no know. restoration. Gallbladder and wine? It helps with deafness. That doesn't... Yeah. Gallblad- that's not what your gallbladder is for. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. I don't know how your gallbladder helps with hearing, but no. I guess... Um, Your gallbladder, I think, is circulating your blood. It's like your kidneys. Oh, okay. It filters the blood and filters, like, the sugars and stuff out of your blood. Oh, okay, okay. So, but that, yeah, that doesn't hearing. have to do with hearing. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, like, and this one, like, all over the place. So, like, King Charles the, what is it, the, the second, actually, is known for his um, drop, uh, King's Drops. So, if you haven't heard about this, this is crushed mummy skull with um, alcohol. Is this another recipe? Oh, yeah. If y'all... Yeah, I actually have the full-on recipe listed here. Another uh, cannibalistic recipe for no. for y'all. Yeah. If the, you didn't like the, the honeyed candy man. Yeah. Yeah, this episode has plenty of uh, do-it-yourself projects here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I actually forgot that I do actually have the recipe written here. Um, not for any particular reason. Just... I mean, it was just for research. I wasn't planning on, on like, making this myself. So you say. Yeah. But if somebody listening wants to, I'm not going to stop you. Uh, the police might. Yeah. Um, we we don't condone what you do, but we can't stop you. That's right. So, first of all, you're going to need two pounds of heart shorn. That is H-A-R-T-S-H-O-R-N. Heart shorn. What is that? Uh, I'm glad you asked. I didn't know what it was at first. I had to look it up. This is actually the horns of deer, so they have, like, antlers, things like that. Yeah, um, broken up into pieces. I don't think you eat that. Crushed heart shorn. You're going to mix it in with some other stuff. Uh, you're also going to need two pounds of dried viper. Uh, guess that's any viper. You can get these at any of your local supermarkets. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> check Amazon. Yeah, <laughs> eBay, yeah. Two pounds of ivory. You might need uh, Tor for this, actually. I don't know how much of this is coming come from the dark web. Yeah, uh, that's true. All of this is coming from the dark web. What do you mean? Especially this last part. Five pounds of the skull of a violently murdered man. That's very specific. Why violently murdered? Also, how would you know if he was violently murdered? I can't answer the last part, but I can't answer the first part. They have very strict requirements for the corpses that they're using. Like, um, they're using mostly, like, criminals and things like that, because that way they know the person's violently murdered, because a lot of times they get, like, executed and things like that. But the idea is that there is this, this, like, animus, this, like, this, um, this, like, spirit of life in the body, and that when you die, most of it goes dormant, but some of it is still there. And if somebody dies violently, then it doesn't give time for this spirit energy to, like, leave the body. So it stays in there. The ideal candidate would be a 24-year-old man. Um, and particularly, they really enjoyed gingers. And um, they, they thought that, like, red-headed men had thinner blood, and that would make their flesh better for these kinds of processes. Yeah, I can't... I don't... There's nothing if you were to al- that. If you were alive back then, you would have been dead real quick. Yeah. All of that... Does not sound good for you. No, I am 24. Uh, I do have a red beard. Um, yeah, you have a little bit of ginger in your hair. And, like, back then they were probably like, close enough. And then, <laughs> whack, and then you die violently. So I actually have a, um, a direct quote from here. So this is, quote, Take the fresh, unspotted cadaver of a red-headed man, parentheses, because in them the blood is thinner and the flesh hence more excellent, aged about 24, who has been executed and died a violent death. Let the corpse lie one day and night in the sun and moon. But the weather must be good. They're very, very particular about that. It must be good so, weather. you could not, if you're from uh, the Midwest, <laughs> you could not, because the weather here is unpredictable. Yeah, unfortunately, it is impossible here. That is one recipe that might be well, a little more difficult for you. if this is in Europe, if this is, say, like, what part of europe like england um it was popular in germany britain yeah some other places okay so they don't have good weather either it's raining most of the time i know there's a very narrow like corridor for doing this that's why it's a day or night because good weather for them is like one day yeah 
Um, then they say, um, cut the flesh in pieces and sprinkle it with myrrh and just a little aloe. Then soak it in spirits of wine for several days. Hang it up for six to ten hours. Thus, they will be similar to smoked meat and will not stink. There you have it. What a great recipe. Yeah, so um, that's what you need if you're going to make yourself some King's Drops. Um, but there's some other methods, too. Queen Elizabeth I liked to take human fat bandages. If she ever got cut somewhere, she would take human fat and coat a bandage with that and tie it around that, that the affected area. The shortly infected area, I guess. <laughs> yeah, none of that sounds good. That's no. all disgusting. No. So so that, that this most recent thing that I quoted, that was for if you're on a short supply, you don't have any bodies at hand, no young men have died lately. If you need to make one, that's how you would do it. You don't have any bodies on hand. Like, that's a whole, that's a lot of steps. That's yeah. a whole recipe you have to go through. And it requires that's a lot of work. Uh, murder. Yeah. Uh, murder. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, besides that, it's yeah. just a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, or you could always buy one from the Mediterranean. Apparently, in a lot of Mediterranean areas, this is like, this is going to be like Greece, this is going to be like Israel and like places in like around that area, uh, Egypt, you know. Um, but especially like Greece, uh, you'd be claiming that you have an Egyptian mummy. You would take a homeless person or a leper or a criminal, uh, you know, the kind of people that society doesn't care too much if they go missing um just as a side note we have seen a pattern of that in pretty much all of our videos so far all of our recordings so far that um in these kinds of practices where you're utilizing dead bodies it's always like criminals or like lepers something like that yeah. like the poor well yeah i mean of course i mean of course it's the same for like serial killers nowadays most yeah. of them will kill like homeless people prostitutes something like that because they're just like they go missing no one's gonna notice right who who's gonna worry their family yeah what so family yeah so there is that element to it pretty dark element there um but people who died to like viruses or like plague victims um smallpox was a big one um so yeah uh when these people died you just take them out do what i said before about how to dry out the body and things like that and then you sell them in europe you know, I feel like the uh, bubonic plague and, like, a lot of these, like, big, like, diseases that eradicated, like, most of the population back then yeah. could have probably been, like, Just... resolved quickly <laughs> or they... died off quickly if they weren't eating everyone. That's actually a good point. I almost forgot that. Um, this actually, they do speculate that that actually helped the spread of plague. Yeah. Because the, the, a lot of these diseases, like viruses especially, didn't go warm, didn't go dormant when the body died. And so whenever you eat them, you're basically ensuring that you're going to get that disease. You know why we don't have the bubonic plague now? We're not eating people. Because we're not eating people. <laughs> That's it. Right. Stop eating people. Yeah. Like, I'm all for, like, ethical cannibalism. Like, if you consent to cannibalism, like, I'm okay with that. I know we said we don't, we're not going to get political on this show, but ethical cannibalism needs to be legal. I don't, I don't know. If you consent... It's fine. It's still not... It's still gross and morally wrong. You're uh, eating a person. That's debatable. However, however, if it's if there's two consenting parties, just understand there are serious effects. You can get kuru by eating the brain, potentially like mad cow disease. You can contract whatever viruses they had. So just, just uh, maybe don't. Yeah, just... Maybe don't. How about not eat people regardless? Get still out think, here with your ethical cannibalism. Still think it should it's be legal, not, though. It's not. It shouldn't be legal. There's so many reasons why, and you just listed all of them. <laughs> anyway, so at this time, there was a whole market for this. Okay, if if you if you were get if you were uh, decapitated via guillotine, all right, they would post guards because peasants, especially, would rush onto the the execution stage. And lick blood off the floor in order to potentially extend their life a little bit or help them with diseases, give them some vitality. That ain't it. That's no. not, that ain't it, chief, at all. Yeah, in the 16th century in Germany, an epileptic man was recorded rushing onto a, uh, a stage where someone was executed and drinking blood out of the still squirting neck of a recently executed criminal to help with his ep epilepsy. <laughs> Delicious. I imagine he had a straw <laughs> stuck in him. Oh, that's cute. 
Oh, why Why do you think that's cute? Because it's a little straw. I don't know. But... Like, something about that image is just suddenly adorable when there's a straw involved. <laughs> Nothing about that is cute. Right into the jugular. What? <laughs> we need what? to have a talk after the show about what you think is cute and what's not. <laughs> what's appropriately cute and what's not. Well, let's just move on. Uh, so when Charles I died... Uh, crowds would similarly rush the stage, I guess we we're going to call it, and would wash their blood, their hands in his blood because they believed that there was a disease called the King's Evil, a.k.a. tuberculosis, and if they washed their hands in the King's blood, they would um, eradicate themselves of the King's Evil somehow. I don't know if this is from, like, some kind of sin. Regardless. That's irony. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and they would wash their hands in it, like, as soon as they could. Even if you were able to block off the guard, uh, to block off the, like, common folk from getting onto the stage and, like, licking this blood off, the executioner, um, in many places, could get up a nice little racket in selling vials of executed criminals' blood. Once again, young men, um, but also virginal girls, uh, virginal young women would be the ideal candidates for this kind of trade because they're most likely to have that vitality, especially if they died violently. So you can make a pretty penny off selling just the blood of criminals. Yep. Yeah. Also, I love how you kept saying stage, as I imagine it's like a Coachella concert. Right, like, like a mosh pit. Yeah. Like, yeah. Of just peasants who are ready to, like, jump up on stage and, like, just lick up all the blood or like metal. take it for themselves so metal europe at this time is just the most metal they're all vampires like, i mean essentially yeah yeah but just not just that ain't okay just no. don't eat people yeah don't don't do this don't do the things that we talked the plague about. lasted as long as it did for a reason because <laughs> y'all kept eating people mm-hmm. and it's just that's not what we're about it's not what i'm about no <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> me neither. <clears throat> yeah, no, I don't. Uh, as you <clears throat> as you stated earlier, that ethical cannibalism should be legal. It should be legal if it's two consenting parties. It's fine. No. I think it's legal in Germany. I don't know. We're not about that though. That's not the <laughs> show for this. We're not going to discuss the ethics of cannibalism. If you say so. Uh, many tribes also participate. Uh, do cannibal cannibalism for some of their um, death rituals? Okay, but those are those tribes. It's not us. Yeah, it's a it's a way to honor the dead. It's perfectly fine. It's okay. It's not fine. I there's, don't eat people. Just putting that out. There. Are you sure? Because you're I'm, making a very big case about it. I'm just saying that sometimes our is there something you'd like to tell me? Like sometimes um, in anthropology, we learn about this concept called ethnocentrism. Sometimes uh, we think that our way of life is the only way of life. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. If they're consenting, it's fine. Two consenting adults. It's fine. I don't eat people. Anyway. <laughs> so, um, so in the modern day, let's just, let's just really dig this hole. In the modern day, we still do some forms of medical cannibalism. We don't always think about it like that, but I guess technically you could consider it that. Um, organ donating, organ transplants. These can be considered a form of medical cannibalism. Uh, I don't, I don't know how that's cannibalism. You're not necessarily I mean, eating it, yeah, but it's the same concept because you're like taking their body parts. Yeah, that part. Yeah. yeah, technically you are consuming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. I mean, it's just consumption of a different way because it's not eating it. Yeah, it's yeah. just becoming part of your body. Yeah. Um, also blood transfusions are filed in the same category and on that note there were actually and this is like there are some people out there that still do this so this is probably the most spooky tidbit about this for me is that there are people who actually do pay for this um stanford university i want to um did a experiment where they took the blood of younger mice and put it into the bodies of older mice to see how it would affect them. And they found that the older mice were invigorated by the young blood. UC Berkeley tried to recreate the same experiment, and they found no effect 
of the young blood into the old. But that when they took the old blood and put it into the young mice, it actually caused serious problems for them and a lowered energy. There have been several different experiments like this, and in all of them, a certain percentage of the mice who get the full blood, who get the blood transfusion, just die. Well, I mean, do animals have different blood types like we do? I'd assume so. That would follow, I feel. Because, um, like, that's how you die. Because, like, if yeah. you're, like, a certain blood type, oh, you have to sense, have yeah. that certain blood type. Like, if you're, like, like A positive or whatever, you can only have that. Or, like, just O blood type because that's just, like, a neutral blood type or whatever. That does make sense. The, the working theory um, that I read was that they would just reject it outright. So I guess kind of the same concept. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So their bodies would reject it. They go into shock and they die. Um, and there's no like concrete idea, but that makes sense. Yeah. 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 And that's the general theory, but there are actual companies that have done this very recently. So as late as 2017, uh, the Ambrosia company would pay 8k, $8,000, you could pay them $8,000 to get a total blood transfusion as a quote-unquote clinical trial, except that there are no control variable at all. So this isn't a real trial. Um, they, so it's not random and it's not blind. This is essentially just a surgical process that they're being, they're being paid for. And actually, they've actually come to some universities trying to seek out blood. Um, at Texas A&M University, actually, they showed up, tried asking for students for blood and things like that. Uh, all like consensual and everything oh, like the that. The blood drives are just, just yeah. a front. <laughs> right. That Chipotle gift card means nothing to me now. <laughs> yeah, there are probably some CEOs that are like, and if it isn't, it should be. You yeah. Know. Um, and then uh, it was shut down as of February 2019. So that's this year it was shut down. Oh wow! Um, so this is yeah super recent. But it wasn't illegal. They voluntarily they voluntarily shut down uh, over concerns from the FDA that um it might be i don't know unethical um and also not a clinical trial yeah there's also the young blood institution that um will charge you 285k per person to undergo these trials for like full blood transfusion in order to invigorate you and extend your life i don't think that that works no uh, I, I don't i just uh, like that just doesn't, just doesn't so- make sense yeah it doesn't really follow I don't think that it I don't I don't believe in it. Uh but apparently there are people who do. Uh the FDA does not think that it's valid. Uh, many medical institutions do not believe that it's valid. If you want to live a long and happy life, just go to the doctor, exercise regularly eat and eat healthy. Like don't eat people. Yeah, don't eat people. Don't eat the young. Eat a salad <laughs> with lettuce. I feel like you're really directing this at me right now. Because I'm looking right at you as I say it. <laughs> eat a salad. Yeah, go you... on a walk. <laughs> don't eat people. Right, yeah. Don't, yeah, don't get, don't steal the blood of the young. Um, yeah, just a disclaimer, not trying to, uh, let's say. Don't, someone, don't murder John. Yeah, yeah, don't, don't take my blood, please. Uh, don't violently kill him yeah. and set him out. Consensual cannibalism is fine. Smoke his flesh or whatever. Yeah, please don't, please don't eat me, and uh, don't don't drink blood, and and if you are gonna drink blood, do it with consent, always with consent. Just don't drink blood, period, because yeah. you shouldn't do that. Yeah, though, if you do need to make a quick buck, sell your blood, and and I mean you don't necessarily need to sell your blood to a charity, which, you know, maybe ethically you might be inclined to do so. I can see. There's definitely no, some very good reasons to do that. Sell your blood. But just sell to just, the highest bidder. Come donate on. Donate your Come blood. On. Just donate it through a good charity or whatever. I'm grossed out by blood. I donated my blood once in high school. I got very sick after I did. And I will never do it again. Did you know until recently, if you were a um, a man who had had sex with a man, you could not legally uh, donate blood or give blood? Yeah, because of the whole, like, AIDS, AIDS. scares. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm not even sure that it's still legal. Uh, I don't actually know about that now, but I do know that at one time it was not acceptable. No. And very recently, like as in a few years ago, I remember that being an issue when um, uh, a group of people I know were given their blood. So. Oh. 
Yeah. That's I I mean I knew of that but I didn't know if it was still an issue or not. Yep. Well, yep. that's good to know. Until very yeah. recently. Yep. The only experience I had with donating blood, um, I think I was a sophomore in high school and I it was like a blood drive at school mm-hmm. like they had. Um when I donated blood, I like they were like, Are you okay? I stood up and I immediately, or like sat up and I immediately fell back down, or like I felt dizzy or whatever. And they're like, You need to lay here for a while because you're going to pass out. So I did. I laid there for a little bit and then I got up because I thought it was fine. Um, like when I went home and stuff, I tried to eat, but like I just didn't feel like eating or I couldn't eat that much. And then. Like, the next day, I got sick. Like, I had, like, a fever. It wasn't even, like, really any other symptoms. I just had, like, a very uh, fever and stuff. Yeah. I went to Cedar Point. (laughs) Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. So, at least it's a happy ending. I guess. But, like, I had a fever while I was there, so. Yeah. Yep. So, donate blood, donate people, and I guess that concludes our episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this episode if you like what you heard tune in next week same time as always for six live on Mercury radio and then our recordings will be on spotify oh yeah the following week um but yeah if you have any weird topics you like us to talk about here on the show or if you have any like creepy experience you've had um feel free to email us our email is the macabre show at gmail.com you can just write about there we're also on social media. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at The Macabre Show. So just the show title. Just look it up and you'll find us. So, yeah, give us a like. Give us a follow. Message us. Uh, tell you what you, tell us what you think of the show or if you have any, like, weird stories, any creepy things. Any comments you want to share, just let us know. And then we're happy to, happy to listen. So, yeah. Tune in next week. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you then.